Welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. Good morning, Christ Walk. How's everybody doing today? All right, a little little pep in everyone's step this morning. I like it. I like it. If you got your Bible or a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to the Gospel of John chapter 8. The Bible's divided up into these two big chunks. The first big section is the Old Testament. And then the second uh, big, big chunk or big section is called the New Testament. And we're going to be taking a look at Um, One of the books is actually the fourth book in that second part, the New Testament. Um, It's the Gospel of John. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right there at the beginning of the New Testament. We call them Gospels because Gospel means good news. And these four books are good news because they tell us the story of Jesus. And the story of Jesus, let me just tell you. It's some good news. All right. So we're going to take a look at a piece of that. uh, John chapter eight in just a moment. We're going to land there. But um, there's an old story. Many of you have probably heard this before, uh, but it's a story of these two people that went hiking in the woods one day. And uh, as they were going down the trail, all of a sudden a big grizzly bear jumped out and was preparing to chase and maul and then eat them. And one of the hikers uh, in in the heat of passion and um, being being scared to death decided that his best approach to this situation was to kneel down and begin to pray while the other hiker knelt down and laced up his running shoes. The one that was praying looked at the other hiker and said, what are you doing? There's no way that you can possibly outrun this bear. To which the man replied, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. And so the moral of the story is never go hiking in the woods with someone that's in better shape than you are. (laughs) No, but we get this story. And the reason that it resonates with us is because it it taps into this innate uh, response that you and I have whenever, in fact, all of the animal kingdom, including humans, has this response that whenever we are faced with a life-threatening kind of survival emergency type of situation, and it's this response known as fight or flight, fight or flight. This is an innate condition that all animals have that when faced with a survival emergency, it causes one to default to one of two responses, either to run away or to stand your ground and fight. And this response comes out in situations where we're given no time to think about how we're going to respond. Like we've just got to react to a situation, fight or flight. But the problem is, is that over the years, instead of just keeping this in the compartment of emergency, life-threatening situations, we've carried these responses over into our everyday lives. And so we find ourselves determining between fight or flight in regular everyday occurrences like disagreements with our spouse. Hopefully that's not everyday and irregular for you, but if so, we have marriage counseling available. Maybe it's in situations like parenting our children, handling our finances, interacting with our coworkers, and we find ourselves then kind of getting locked in to the fact that there's only two choices 
that we have to choose from. And one is to run away from the situation and ignore it altogether. And the other one is to be very aggressive and go in with, with fangs bared and claws reared and, and to, to knock out the situation in an, in an aggressive head-on kind of manner. We become to think like computers, for example. In a computer, um, the language is, is there, and I'm telling you way more than I know about computers right now, all right? But, but from, from what I read, from what I read on Google, there's this language that's called, or a code that computers operate by called binary. And binary is simply a series of zeros or ones, with the zero meaning no, the one meaning yes. And so for a computer, the way that it decides or makes decisions or, or selects information is simply based on what it reads in the binary code, that, that a series of zeros or ones then determines the outcome of what the computer spits out for you to see. And it is simply based on yes or no. There are no other choices for a computer. It's either a zero or a one. And in our human brains, what happens is that as we get older, and my kids remind me all the time that I'm getting close to 40, and I remind them that they're getting close to grounded, it works both ways like that. But as we get older, there's, there's a condition in our brains as humans that we begin to lose the ability to think as creatively or as abstractly as we could when we were younger. And so this is a result of the sum of our experiences as human beings, which condition us to believe that the world operates in a particular way or in accordance with a particular code, much like a computer in zeros or ones. And it causes us to begin to look at situations and think of things in very cut and dry ways. For example, it's either black or it's white. It's either A or it's right or true or good or, I was going to say evil, but that's okay. You guys are, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. Left or liberal or conservative. Ooh, man, he touched a nerve right there. Did he really bring that up from the pulpit? And so we start to look at things in, in these very, like, it's this or this kinds of situations. And often, whenever we look at the world around us like this, it leads us to making very poor choices in our lives and the way that we handle certain situations, particularly those that are, that are complex or that some would even say, man, that just seems impossible. Have you ever been faced with something, a situation or a choice that seemed impossible? Chances are you had it boiled down to one of two choices and both of them were bad. But what if, what if instead of making choices like that, whenever we're, whenever we're left feeling trapped or hopeless or stuck between a rock and a hard place, we, we find ourselves in a situation that's a, that's a no win is what we call it, or we're choosing between the lesser of two evils. Instead of looking at things that way, what if there was a hidden option for us? What if there was something that, that, that was a different choice that we could make and perhaps at the moment it's just invisible. We just aren't able to see it. What if there was another choice for us to make in order to make the right choice and the better choice 
in the situations that we face that seem complex or even impossible. And so today and then next week, I want to talk to you about some ideas that I have about the hidden option. So let's take a look at John chapter 8 together. John chapter 8. Starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. But early in the morning, he went back to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat and taught them. That's a whole lot of people. All the people came to him. Wow. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Some translations say that she had been caught in the act of adultery. That's important for later on. They forced her to stand before all the people. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught having sexual relations with a man who is not her husband. The law of Moses commands that we stone to death every woman who does this. What do you say we should do? They were asking this to trick Jesus so that they could have some charge against him. But Jesus bent over and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they continued to ask Jesus their question, he raised up and said, anyone here who has never sinned can throw the first stone at her. Then Jesus bent over again and wrote on the ground. Verse nine, those who heard Jesus began to leave one by one, first the older men and then the others. And Jesus was left there alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus raised up again and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one judged you guilty? She answered, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, I also don't judge you guilty. You may go now, but don't sin anymore. Now, we read this passage and we find that Jesus is in a pretty big pickle himself. Seemingly an impossible situation here. He's, he's teaching the people at the temple and some Pharisees who were the religious leaders at the time. And they were very, they were, they were kind of hell bent on, on um, obeying the law at all costs. Every, every jot, every tittle, every, every single stroke of the pen, every single piece of the law from top to bottom. And they had created all of these extra rules that you needed to follow in order to maintain the law. And they were very strict, very, very stringent. And they, they prided themselves on how well they were able to, uh, to, to follow the law. And so when Jesus came on the scene preaching a much different message than what the Pharisees had been perpetuating all this time, they did not like it very well. They took great offense with it. And so they, they made it their mission to find something that they could do to charge, to be able to charge Jesus with something, to be able to, to point out something wrong that he had done. And so we find ourselves in this situation with Jesus that he's here and he's teaching the people in the temple and the Pharisees burst in on the scene. They interrupt everything. And then that's where things start to go awry. Because the situation that Jesus found himself in, the reason that it was a bit of a pickle, the, the reason that it was a bit of an impossible situation is because based on what the Pharisees had presented with him, he's having to choose between two 
no good options. Because on the one hand, he would be going against the Jewish law. And on the other hand, he would be going against the Roman law. And at, the, at this time, the Jews, they were, they were governed by the Roman Empire. And so he's having to choose, ultimately, in the way that this has been presented to him, he's having to choose between, do I go against Rome or do I go against God's law? The religious leaders, though, they were correct in what they said. According to Jewish law, this woman deserved to die. Leviticus 20.10 tells us, If a man has sexual relations with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman are guilty of adultery and must be put to death. Deuteronomy 22, verse 22, if a man is found having sexual relations with another man's wife, both the woman and the man who had sexual relations with her must die. Get rid of this evil from Israel. And I read those passages and I, I go back to the law and look at that. And that seems super harsh. And thank goodness we don't live in those times, right? Some of you are like, Whew. but it leads to the question, where's the man? Where's he at? They just throw this woman out in front. Where's the man? It takes two to tango the last time I checked. And so where is the guy in this situation? He is just as much at fault. And so what this points out to us is that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they're not concerned with, with righteousness being upheld and God's law being upheld here. The, they're not concerned with with people being held accountable for their sins. They're just, they're just seeking after or conspiring against a way to bring Jesus down. That was their motive. How can we take Jesus out? And so here's the options that they've presented him with. Option one, Jesus becomes the executioner. He goes against the Roman laws, which allowed or which didn't allow the Jews to, to sentence capital punishment or Option two, Jesus becomes the excuser. To remove the consequence of this woman's sin would be in direct opposition to God's law. And so there's no good option for Jesus at this point. It's seemingly impossible. And so Jesus decides to do what we all do in a situation like this. He starts to draw pictures in the dirt, right? Because that's what we do, you know, when we're faced with an impossible situation. I'm just going to bend down and doodle for a second. No. Jesus comes back with this. The hidden option. Anyone here who has not sinned can throw the first stone. See, Jesus looked at the two seemingly only options that he had but he saw straight through them to something different. Jesus' hidden option was grace and truth. That's the hidden option that Jesus extended that day. That's the hidden option that he extends to us today as well. In John 1:17, the Bible says, "The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ." Jesus said, I also don't judge you guilty. That's what he told the woman. I also don't judge you guilty. That's grace. You may go now, but don't sin anymore. That's truth. Jesus was full of both grace and 
truth. That is the hidden option in this situation. The Pharisees came and they wanted justice. But Jesus provides grace and truth. I think it's important to note in this passage, Jesus' posture in the midst of all of this. When the Pharisees come before him, he was seated, teaching the people. And they forced this woman to come in and, and they throw her, and, and it says they forced her to stand in front of everyone, all the people that, was, that were there. And Jesus was seated. But rather than standing up to impose himself over this woman and bring further attention to the fact that she's embarrassed, she's vulnerable, that her sins are being pointed out in a very public manner. Instead, Jesus humbles himself and he stoops low. He bends over and draws in the dirt. The Pharisees become insistent and persistent, asking him their questions over and over, forcing him to respond. He looks up to them, gives them his charge. Anyone who is here that hasn't committed sin can cast the first stone. And then he humbles himself once more, bends down a second time and draws in the dirt. The first time he bends down so as not to point a finger at the woman. She'd been embarrassed enough by her sin, being forced to stand publicly in front of the people. The second time he bent down, was to allow the Pharisees to slink out of there unnoticed and not to bring any attention to them as well. You know, I wonder, even though this passage doesn't give an account of what he wrote in the dirt that day, I wonder, what was he writing in the sand? And it led me to this passage in John 2, 25 that says, Jesus did not need anyone to tell him about people because he knew what was in people's minds. Psalm 90 verse 8 says, You have put the evil we have done right in front of you. You clearly see our secret sins. I can't help but wonder that day if maybe he stooped over to draw in the dirt and he was writing some sins down. Maybe on a list that he was seeing in the minds of the people that were gathered there, both in the Pharisees and in the crowds. And then the Pharisees saw the list that he had made in the sand, in the dirt that day. And they realized, we're no different than this woman. The same charges that we're bringing against her are the same charges that should be brought against us. But the thing about Jesus, how he's different than our enemy, the devil, is that the devil knows our name, but calls us by our sins. Jesus knows our sins, and he calls us by our name. He humbled himself both on behalf of the woman and on behalf of her accusers. See, that's the thing about Jesus, full of grace and truth. In Philippians, Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, and when he, when he's talking about Jesus, when Jesus was living as a man, he humbled himself and was fully obedient to God, 
even when that caused his death, death on a cross. I can't help but think that Jesus was riding in the dirt that day. The sins of him and the sins of him and him and him knowing full well he's going to the cross to die for the people that have brought this woman in front of everyone wanting to stone her to death. And in that moment, they recognized that they were the same as she was. Through the hidden option of grace and truth, hope was realized. Hope was realized, not just for Jesus to be able to avoid the snare of the Pharisees, but for the woman caught in adultery, for her accusers, and for all of us. We are that woman. I am that woman. And were it not for the grace of God, you and I deserve death. But because of Jesus, you and I have been forgiven. It's not our place to judge. It's not our place to point a finger. I want you to know something about this church. And this is a church where if, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ before, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know this is a place that you don't have to believe to belong. I'm glad that you're here. And this is a place that as far as I'm concerned as the pastor of this church, no one's going to force you to stand up in front of everybody as a sinner. Because guess what? I'm doing it first. I'm a sinner. I'm that woman. I deserve death for what I've done, the sins that I've committed. This is not about that. This is a place where we can come together and be exposed to the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, which is the central message of the gospel. That's who Jesus is, who he was, and what he is all about. And because of that, that's who we are going to be as a church. This is going to be a church that perpetuates the message of Jesus Christ, grace and truth. It's okay for you to not be okay. It's not okay for you to stay that way. That is our message, which is the same message that Jesus was proclaiming all those years Ago. So I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe, maybe you would classify yourself as the sinner in this situation. Maybe you would classify yourself as the, the stone thrower in this situation. Or maybe you would classify yourself as something else altogether different. But regardless of where we find ourselves, you and I, we are all faced with a seemingly impossible situation today. That situation is this. We've got one of two options. We can either live out the law in 100% perfection all the time, which leads to life, or 
We can disobey the law, turn our back on it, and mess up big time. And that leads to death. Neither one of those options seems great to me. Because the second option leads to death, and the first option, I'll let you in on a little secret, it's impossible. Because way back once upon a time, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they disobeyed God. And they chose to sin. They chose to turn their backs on him. And because of that, then every human that has been born since, we have been born into this thing called sin. And sin is this stuff that separates us from God. And the law can't cover sin. So we needed something else. And that's why God sent his one and only son, Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus is our hidden option. This is my message and our message to the world. This is our hope. John 3, 16 and 17, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him may not be lost, but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world guilty, but to save the world through him. Listen, I got news for you. I have a one and only son. I'm not giving him up for anybody else. He's special to me. He's mine. But God did the ultimate, paid the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his one and only son for you and for me. For the adulterous woman, for the man that she was caught in adultery with, for the Pharisees holding their stones that day, for every single one of us, he sent his one and only son so that we would not have to pay the penalty of death, that where the law fell short, Jesus stepped in to bridge the gap with the cross. See, the name Satan, we talk about the devil, our adversary, our enemy. The name Satan comes from a Hebrew word that literally means accuser. The devil, our accuser, goes before God the Father every single day. And it's very much like the situation this woman found herself in. The devil brings us in front of God the Father. He brings us up in front of God the Father every single day. And he points his finger at us. And he says, look what they did. Look what they did. Look what they did. And time and time and time again, he brings up to God the Father our sins against us. Look what they did. Look what they did. And he is constantly over and over and over again accusing us. He's never going to let us live down the things that we have done to turn our back and, 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 and cause separation between us and God. And over and over and over, he's pointing the finger at us saying, look at what they did. But Jesus Christ, our savior, steps in between. And he points his finger at himself and he says, but look what I've done. That is the hope that you and I have today. Jesus, who humbled himself, 
even to death on a criminal's cross, is our hidden option. And if you're here today and you find yourself in a seemingly impossible situation and you can't make heads or tails, right or wrong, left or right, up and down, true and false of any of it, and the only options that you see are bad and worse, you need to know your hidden option is Jesus. But Pastor Blake, you don't understand my problem. I don't need to understand your problem. Jesus does. He's your option. Your marriage, your kids, your job, your finances, your health, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't care what the doctor told you. Jesus is your option. I don't care what the collectors are saying on the phone. Jesus is your option. I don't care what your kids said about you. Jesus is your option. I don't care that your spouse said they don't want to be with you anymore. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is your hidden option. In the the situations of your life, the circumstances that you are coming up against that you can't make heads or tails about, and you don't know which path to go, which way to choose. Maybe you need to take a step back and realize that you've been asking the wrong questions. You've been looking for the wrong solutions. Jesus is your and my hidden option today. Whatever you face, it's Jesus. That sounds really simple because it is. It's Jesus. He is our hidden and only option. Jesus is our hidden option today. Maybe you feel trapped, hopeless, stuck between a rock and a hard place with no way out. I want to invite you today to consider the hidden option and choose Jesus. Maybe it doesn't make sense I don't know that it's always supposed to. I think a lot of the time Jesus is just saying, trust me. Will you trust him today? I know that woman that was caught in adultery, she sure did. Because for her, it was looking pretty bleak. Jesus came through to her rescue and for her accusers. So regardless of what side of the line you sit on, A or B, black or white, liberal, conservative, Jesus is your hidden option today. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Blake, I've never accepted Jesus into my life, but And based on the way things are going, I could really use something like that. And I'd like to step into a relationship with Jesus today. I'd like to choose him for the first time as my option today. I want to tell you, it's as easy as A, B, C. We learned it in kindergarten. To step into a relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is A, B, C. Admit, believe, and choose. You're admitting that you're a sinner in need of salvation. 
You're believing in Jesus as the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sin and my sin, that he rose from the third day, or rose from the grave on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave in the process. And you're choosing to put your faith, your hope, your trust in him, to live for him for all your days. It's as easy as that. If you'd like to do that this morning, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's gonna be on the screen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Walk Podcast. For more information about Christ Walk Church, please visit thechristwalk.com.